The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome back to Talking Backwards, a Twin Peaks podcast. I am Dave the Hawk Jackson, joined by Patrick Large Regular Mayhan. Hey, everybody. And Tyler Bopapaluop, She's My Baby Mullins. I am ready to have a real discussion about human trafficking. I'm so glad someone got that nickname. <laughs> I'm sorry it I'm was me. I'm, I'm a little I'm jealous. I'm a little jealous. Oh, man. If you're just joining us, uh, Talking Backwards is a Twin Peaks podcast where we watch every episode of Twin Peaks and discuss. I have seen Twin Peaks, but it's been a while. Patrick is pretty up to date and knows a lot of trivia. Funky Fresh. He's Funky Fresh. And Tyler is seeing these episodes for the first time. Today's episode is the episode Realization Time. Yeah, we pick up literally right where we left off. Right where we left off. And the last thing we saw was Audrey Horn in Coop's bed. Yep, room 315 of the Great Northern. Naked as a jaybird. Oh, yeah. Yep. Naked as day she was born. Or uh, what kind of bird is Waldo? He's a minor bird. <laughs> Naked as a minor bird. <laughs> Naked as a minor bird. Cooper handles the fact that he has Audrey in his bed like a true gentleman. Yes, very gracefully. Very gracefully. Just says that she needs to get dressed, that she needs a friend right now, and he's going to go get them some malts and fries from downstairs, which in the moment to me sounded amazing. Yeah, for real. I- she also drops the line, Laura had a lot of secrets. Mm-hmm. So again... We're dropping the she's filled with secrets. She's filled with secrets. And is this the appropriate time to bring Laura up? Like she's shown up in his bed. It's clearly what she's trying to do. I think it's just because she's just trying to help and relate to what Cooper's dealing with work-wise in the town, you know. I, I think I think Audrey's ultimate goal is she just wants to help Cooper. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm finally getting that uh-huh. sense too because, again, I wasn't sure how to feel about her for several episodes. But right. while her, her tactics are diabolical and they are gorilla, <laughs> yeah. they are towards this cause. Like She really does right. want to be a part of it as much as yeah. Cooper's trying to keep her out of it. So yeah, I, I'll agree with that, that she was kind of disarmed from whatever her spontaneous intent was, that now it's, I know what you're working on and if I can help, here's maybe how. Right. Because it's clear that she's already putting things together herself that, you know, he he may loosely know, but hasn't really dove into head first. And she's taken the initiative to get on the front line of the department store, you know, scam or the, the front. Right. Before we get into the quick scene at the police station, I do want to mention that I noted that uh, Cooper's FBI jacket looks like it was ordered. It's very homemade. I'm pretty sure Diane <laughs> stitched it for him and then overnighted it. It, it, it looks more like he ordered it off Wish. That's where oh her <laughs> that's where our keychains came from. It is. Yep. 
And they looked yep. fine. It's a fine looking jacket. It just doesn't look professional at all. No, no they're not stitched jackets. They just have the letters printed on them. Yeah, let, let's do talk about the scene at the police station because Andy is trying to talk to Lucy again. Andy is having a rough time. Like they they were fine and then something has happened and he just wants to talk to her, but she's not having it at all. No, she's not. And as if on cue, the phone at the police station rings when she says it's, it's the peak, peak activity time. Yeah. But the call's for her. It is. <laughs> It is for her. Yes. So I'm pretty sure Lucy's pregnant. It's pretty yeah, this clear. This is where we get yeah. let in on one of Lucy's secrets. <laughs> yeah. um, so the call is from a doctor, her doctor, and we don't hear anything other than her just nodding along and agreeing with the, the right. phone call. And having just, she's having a little bit of a negative reaction to what's being told to her. Yeah. Because she or, hates Andy. Yeah. And she's carrying their love child. I think that might have a lot to do with why she's being so dismissive of Andy. Because she's late. And she's Right. Yeah, and she definitely seems a little crestfallen when we assume that she gets the news that it's for sure a pregnancy. She's not thrilled to hear this. It's just a bummer. Yeah. Do you think it's because it's with Andy or that she's just not ready to be pregnant or a combination of the two? I'd like to lean more on that she's not ready. There are genuine moments where I feel like she likes him. I think her disappointment is more on that. I don't know that she was re- she's ready to be a mother. Mm-hmm. But I could be totally wrong. I don't know. It, it was a, it was a strange scene because obviously the phone calls about her being pregnant. Why is, is it? She is so... that, did you just spoil it? No, I just it, if it was like a a disease side story, it wouldn't be presented the way that it is. Like yeah. it's like the oh, no, I'm okay. It's like, <laughs> it's like no, I'm dying. You just told me that. <laughs> like it's that's not oh. the conversation that was had. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <you> so. <laughs> yeah. The... Yeah, she's pregnant. Yeah, I wanted to mention again, like, and I was just thinking about this today. All the police in Twin Peaks are only working the Laura Palmer case. Yes, there's no other. I mean, there are multiple crimes at a time, but, but it's they're all only working on case. the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all on the same case. It's all intertwined. <laughs> so when they do it, all, they do it right. Yeah, all of the crime is one big ball of yarn. <laughs> do we have a, what is, oh, we're with Waldo. They're with the bird. Yep. Yes, we found that he is very malnourished and mm-hmm. not feeling super well. He's not playful right now. So he's not talking. Yes. Right. And we yeah, find the... out that Coop does not like birds. I have it noted Coop doesn't <laughs> do birds. <laughs> yeah. I don't like birds. Not into it. Like even like stands with his back to the wall. <laughs> like he's going to get surprised by a bird. Oh, yeah. Like, I can relate to this because I don't do peacocks. I've been to the zoo a few times. Oh, there's your first problem. They're just out walking around. They look at me like they want to hurt me. They strut like they own the place. Lock these things up because they are flexing too much. I, I have a thing. <laughs> I'm a little triggered. I'm sorry. I don't do peacocks. So you relate a lot to Cooper in this I relate way. to Cooper in this scene. Yes, absolutely. Understood. Right. Does what else is said here in the sheriff station with the bird? Was there, I mean, other than him, he, oh, so uh, Cooper leaves this is where they, the recorder and they get its voice activated. A single picture back from the roll of film that Hawk ruined. Um, I love, too, that Sheriff Truman doesn't see Laura right away. And he picture. turns it around. He's like, what? It's just, huh? I don't think he yeah, ever sees it. It's, no, it's so funny to me. He's like, no, Laura, it's Laura. <laughs> <laughs> Not just Waldo. <laughs> I, uh, it's our bird. <laughs> I felt it noteworthy that, uh, is it Doc Hayward that takes the grapes away? <laughs> As he says, he's a right yes. on the he's edge. He's a right on the edge. <laughs> yeah. Like, does that he's mean so that disappointed. They're, go, about to, they're about to go bad? <laughs> I think <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, the grapes are about to turn, and he doesn't want to give them to the bird. Because either that or he wants to eat Doc them himself Hayward. before they turn. I don't know. I didn't get what the motivation was there. Like, 
Low-key, though, Doc Hayward, who I don't know if we've mentioned it yet in this podcast, but that's Mark Frost's uh, father. Father, um, okay. Yeah, it's his dad. He low-key has just some funny lines. Like the thing with the lasagna from one of those episodes, I'm just like, what is this? That's so Yeah, he makes me chuckle. I like it. A lot of nepotism in the casting of Twin Peaks. <laughs> right, because I, I wanted to bring this up, too, kind of up front here towards the beginning. So last week you mentioned that Eric DeRay's name comes up first. That's actually only true, I think, on Netflix. It actually already goes through a whole series of names. When it gets to where he starts, it's like a whole secondary list of names. Because huh. um, I noticed that it shows Kyle MacLachlan and Michael Ontkeen first, and then it starts going in alphabetical order with, like, Machinamic and... Uh, Dana Ashbrook. Um, so it goes through a bunch of them, but then Leo, for whatever reason, among a few others like Jacoby and Josie, they're singled out to this secondary group yeah. that starts after the credits. Like featuring Russ Tamblin as Dr. Right. Jacoby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Uh, and so speaking of Eric DeRay, he is the son of the casting director, Joanna Ray. No kidding. Um, she spells it R A Y. Yes. <laughs> so that's. That's the connection. That explains quite a I think his dad, I I, I could be misremembering, but I think his dad is an actor as well, and I think he might have had a bit part in Dune. So he'd already worked with, there's already the connection with David Lynch. But again, David Lynch does sometimes, I think even, uh, at least I know this for sure with The Return, but his casting process is so strange. Like he won't even, uh, for some people, he doesn't even just have them read. He just goes off like a feeling or even like with certain people, if he sees a picture, he just goes off the feeling like, yes, like they're cast. So who knows what other than obviously the connection of Eric Duray being the son of the casting director, who knows if there might have been more to it than that. But um, he could have just gone off a feeling like seeing Leo Johnson's face. That is really (laughs) interesting. Like, yeah, maybe he was just on set because his mother was the casting director and he just saw him. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what happens. If any of our listeners know, please, please let us know. I don't, I don't know the whole details <laughs> other than what I'm saying. <laughs> it, it could Would love easily be more. a Frank Silva situation where he just saw him and said, "Okay, that's my Leo," or didn't even exactly. have a Leo yet and just happens. saw him. Was like, "Okay, I'm going to write a Leo." I think right. I think that happens a whole lot with his with his unique way of of casting. From the scene where they're going through the film from the camera and they confirm that uh, Ronette, Lara, and Leo were at the cabin, and it was Waldo and Jacques. Jacques. And we have Waldo on Laura's shoulder. At what point do we have they decided that that they need to do a bookhouse boys job at One Eyed Jacks? At the at the end of the scene, after they look at the poker chip, they're That's talking about uh, going to One Eyed Jacks, and then Hawk walks up and he says that Jacks a, a blackjack dealer at One Eyed Jacks. Which I don't know. It's weird that he's well, also that a bartender. Chip. Like I feel like he would be doing those jobs simultaneously if he was a bartender at wherever it was he probably is yeah he probably was already and then just nixed the bartender thing when the heat got hot at the roadhouse you know what i'm saying i guess but hawk like already knew that he was like how much time has passed since that happened who knows not very long (laughs) how does time work time in in twin Twin peaks man (laughs) i just did a big eye roll for all you listeners what are you saying though laura palmer had like 20 jobs yeah, but Laura Palmer was tutoring Josie. She was doing Meals on Wheels. Yeah, and she <laughs> wanted to die. Just overwork. Yeah, that's that's yeah. a lot of stress. It's true. It's true. But uh, so Bobby goes to see Shelly again, again, and that's okay because Bobby's gonna deal with yeah, everything. Yeah, and Leo's dead, shot to death in the last episode. <laughs> 
Actually, Leo is observing Bobby from a car on the hill. Leo's perfectly fine, it seems. Like, yeah, yeah he doesn't even see it. Seeing, it I, seeing, seeing the scene, right, I yeah. totally forgotten he got shot Like at the end of the last episode. I was just like, oh, there's Leo. Oh, he wrapped one of his favorite bloody. blue t-shirts around the wound. Well, that, yeah. He does refer to himself in the third person again as he grabs his rifle and says, Leo's waiting. I missed that. I completely missed that. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, that's what, that's when uh, Shelly kind of divulges to Bobby that she shot Leo, that she's afraid of retaliation. But Bobby refers to himself in the third person and says, don't you worry, Bobby's going to take care of everything. That's right. Shelly has a type. It's it's pretty hot yep. if you think about it. Tyler yeah. thinks that. I'm gonna and then really Leo, uh, Leo's, <laughs> Leo's listening to the police scanner where he hears Lucy talking about the bird, which gives him the immediate fear that, oh no, they've got Waldo. Mm-hmm. Waldo's a witness. They have witness Waldo. Can't worry about Bobby. I gotta go take care of this bird. Bobby will be there. Boy, does he. (laughs) So Bobby's safe for now. For now. Uh, Well, we got our our mod squad here. We got uh, James, Donna, and Maddie. Uh, Maddie found a tape where Laura used to hide her cigarettes in her room, and uh, they play that back, and it's it's a weird tape. Yeah. It's a really weird tape. It's uh, one of her, uh, I guess, uh, personal confessionals to Dr. Jacoby. Yes. And it's filthy. It is pretty, pretty raunchy. I'm having those dreams again. You know, the naked ones. I know you like those, Doc. Like your coconut. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Your secret coconut. I really don't know what kind of person Lara actually is at this point. Because she mentions that she doesn't understand why it's so easy to make boys like her. Mm -hmm. And then she says, maybe if it was harder, but James stops the tape right there. James is afraid that she's going to say something negative about him. I think maybe he just doesn't want to believe that she's this type of person that sees herself as this desirable thing that it's so easy for men to fall for because maybe he kind of feels like a victim in that way. Like maybe he's just caught in her net. Like she saw him as easy, easy pickings or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I got from it. Just from his body language. Not that the, not not that his body language ever changes. Right. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, It changed. I'm not sorry. (laughs) That's kind of what I got out of that. Like maybe he just doesn't want to feel like one of many. Yeah. Even though she's explicitly stated at this point in the tape. He is one of many. And she doesn't understand why it's that easy. So there's there's something psychologically driving her. Maybe she needs this kind of acceptance from people. And because men are attracted to her, it's easy to get something positive just by feeling wanted by somebody else. I'm not a psychologist. I'm getting that. You, that I'm not a psychologist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you you could be a, a good a good fake psychologist for Halloween. I could be a psychologist for Halloween. It's October. It's spooky month. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, for the rest of the podcast, I'm going to be a vampire. I'm going to be. That's my. That's my. That's my costume for the rest of the podcast. I'm going to be leaving. Are you leaving? I'm going to be Leo. <laughs> I'm going to be Leo's Leo? ponytail. <laughs> Very specific. <laughs> but uh, they they decide that they need to uh, check Jacoby's office because they find a blank tape case where the other tape was. And they decide Jacoby has one of the tapes still. Yes. And they need to get it. There's no other possible situation for there being a (laughs) missing tape. And they're going there tonight. They're going to go. They're going to make it happen. And they decide that he needs to get a phone call from Laura to get him out of the office. So Maddie, who looks very much like Laura Palmer, is going to mimic the tape, which they rewind so fast. 
so fast and to the exact press, right moment. Yes, they press rewind for one second, and it is all the way at the beginning of a very long tape. Time works differently. In, I'm, I'm getting tired does. of that. We'll get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reason I'm not coming back for season two. <laughs> you said last episode you're sticking this out to the end. <laughs> the end of season one. Just kidding. So this old lady at the Horns Department Store perfume counter needs something that smells fruity, as in fruit. And makes a statement. You can wear it around your neck like a necklace. It makes a statement and, and smells and good. And smells good. And then Badass walks up. <laughs> badass Emery Badass. Back in action. Strutting around Horn's department store like he owns the place. Yeah. He's Mr. Manager. I'm Mr. Manager. Just say manager. But uh, he pulls uh, Audrey's co-worker, Jenny, off, uh, off the counter just to say, can you come to the office in a few minutes? And Audrey continues to be this very aloof sort of character at the counter. Yeah. Audrey's the kind of person that where you would just see a normal closet. No, no, that's a horny hide-a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> yep. She loves her, her crafty hide-a-hole. little hideaways. She does. Check your walls. There might be a wild Audrey lurking check. about. Although there's one. Okay, so obviously she sneaks over to sneak in the closet of Battis's closet. What I don't, the one little hole in this whole thing for me is she's in there smoking. She's smoking. Like, how do they not realize <laughs> there's just smoke smell it. coming out of this louvered smoke door. coming out of the closet for real my note literally says how is audrey smoking in the closet completely unnoticed oh mine says emory right. baddis is a human trafficker which it's a good note is true that is what's happening it is true he offers jenny a you know the, the essentially the, the horned the horse there up at one-eyed jacks mm-hmm. it's a symbol of purity yeah a horned horse <laughs> right definitely nothing symbolic there And while seemingly emotionless, Jenny also appears very into this proposition. As long as the guys are wealthy, she's willing to be an escort. Yes. Yeah, I don't. So clearly, many of the girls that work here at the store are clearly up for this because they all go to work for One Eyed Jacks, Mm. which is just crazy to me. Like how (laughs) easy they are, you know, tempted into this job. Well, she has to be the target type like this has to be the kind of person they're looking for like somebody that would be into this sort of idea i feel like that's typically the girls that they hire to work the counter to begin with because audrey is not that type she's has weaseled her way into this position so jenny is obviously one of the more malleable types one of the more willing uh what do you call candidates so she's into it and she's trying to go where the money is like she is a-okay with working the perfume counter a few nights a week but moonlighting in canada yeah as an escort she's into good that. luck with those international taxes Jeez. i feel like it's gonna be under the table uh, i don't know uh, i like that uh emory battis has a sort of number of hearts rating system in his little book like this girl two hearts yeah. three hearts ronette pulaski four hearts four hearts there were, i think a couple of other four hearters in there but i didn't mm-hmm. catch their name there are a couple of two hearts but they've got to be the b string oh yeah yeah they're like monday afternoon one like 12 to yeah. four crowd yeah yeah the breakfast buffet folks i honestly would be very interested to see what the breakfast buffet is like at one eyed jacks you could probably just ask jerry he probably knows all about the food he knows selection. all about it some flapjacks one-eyed flapjacks a couple decanters of Some syrup. baguettes fine canadian syrup oh, big the big loaf the baguettes 
maybe a leg of lamb imported from Paris daily. Yes. We left off well, at human trafficking. Yes. Yeah. Well, next is we're heading to the uh, double R. Yes. The diner. I, I made a note because this was kind of fascinating to me. We get a shot of Norma walking out of the back of mm-hmm. the diner. From the kitchen. Uh, and yeah, the kitchen and Hank is talking to Shelly. And the first thing my eyes went to for whatever reason, besides Shelly Johnson, was mm-hmm. in the top left corner, there was a sign for the soup of the day. Did any, any of you catch I this? missed this. It's very vegetable. Ooh. That's the soup of the day. <laughs> no thanks. The soup to no thanks. I wonder how many days the soup of the day is very vegetable. Right. Now my now I feel like I'm going to be looking for that more often. I kind of want to go <laughs> back and look to see if there are different suits of the day yeah, yeah i yeah. completely missed that right and another thing that sort of bugged me was shelly clearly knows about big ed and norma and she's said this before you know she said to norma a couple episodes ago you know like something along the lines of if things were going to work out with her and big ed like norma and big ed mm-hmm. so she clearly kn- she knows all about you know their romance but a-okay with throwing her into the bus yeah no she just went ahead and said ed when he was trying to when he he said yeah, pete but accidentally that's why she said it. no purpose. he did that on purpose yeah right because i got confused for a second i was like pete martell right yeah it's like it just very confused. he just said yeah. another name he has heard right. around the diner yeah. probably he's like a, right. she well, mentioned how big a help pete because he's been. in he's in all the business with the with that whole situation right but anyway yeah i just thought it was interesting that she just went ahead and just yeah pretty much just didn't think twice about saying Ed's name. Yeah, well, well she no. just Shelly the other the other thing too to though. Death. Well, that's true. She's a little distracted. The other thing, though, that that uh, with Hank, you know, he he immediately says like Big Ed Hurley afterwards, almost, but almost in a way like he doesn't really know him, which I think is sort of weird because they were on the Twin Peaks Steeplejacks football team together. This guy's been around forever, and you, there's no way you didn't know that they were together. He had in high. School. He had to have had suspicions already, yeah. but. By kind of baiting that information out of Shelly and getting her to say the name that she associated with Norma first. He's like, yeah, Big Ed. Yeah. That's right. I get, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Like, even if you have a suspicion, if you're somebody like Hank, you confirm before you act. Yeah, right. Yeah, my note says, uh, rut-row, Big Ed. (laughs) Up next is one of my favorite moments in this season, I think. And it's it's just Kyle McLaughlin slash Dale Cooper being a special person in the world. First, they come and they confront Hank because Harry needs to see him and say, you know, make sure you don't mess up because you'll go right back to jail. And H- yeah. Hank is very dismissive and, you know, cocky toward them. He's like, I recommend right. the meatloaf. He didn't recommend the very vegetable yeah, soup. For a free lunch. Yeah, for a free lunch, for sure. And this, Which he does not have the authority to give out. Yeah, this also plays out like that He that uh, Truman literally came in here just to say that because he's he's clearly in a rush to get going. But that's mm-hmm. when Cooper says... This is the best part. A great quote. Yeah, the every day, once a day, mm-hmm. give yourself a present. Uh, which, ever since I heard this line, I've uh, brought into my own life. Whether it's coffee in the morning or, you know, a shoulder rub in the afternoon. The, give myself a the same, man. I love this idea. Theology. It says every day, it's once great. a day, give yourself a present. It could be a cat nap in your favorite chair. It can be a nice hot cup of coffee like this. <laughs> I love the whole sentiment behind everything that he says. Harry's response is a present. <laughs> <laughs> like Christmas, yeah, like Christmas. or a birthday, or any other or situation. Birthday, where you would that was a my thought. Right. I was like, or right. I figured because that was what I thought Coop was going to say back to him was like, or birthday. Yeah, just a- any time uh, you would get a present. But no, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Harry might actually be kind of simple, and that he's very simple. That's okay. He just may not. I'm starting. T- 
to get the. I'm starting to question too, just how good of a. He's sheriff not. He's he a. Is. He's a freaking dunce. He's, he's a. <laughs> yeah, he's very oblivious to to so much. I mean, not quite the level of of Andy, but we're you know he's he's definitely. It's like, well, come on, you hire. You also hired Andy. Maybe Albert wasn't completely wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah. He may be simple, uh, but he means it's well. These little moments. Yeah, it's these little moments. It's just uh. none of these officers are the man for the job yes and that's okay because again there is one crime in the entire town (laughs) and it's all related to each other and coop's here to handle it yeah so we have three to four guys who are is there only are there only three people in this entire police department well we see well no we see several other um policemen for sure in the pilot um because there's one that we don't i don't know if we ever see again who comes in to tell the teacher uh that laura passed away is that the one that's interviewing it's not hawk or andy bobby in the library yeah there's one in there too yeah it might be the same one i can't remember but we definitely see some others from time to time but right for the most part the focus is always hawk and Andy. It just got too expensive and they're all working the one case i assume there's others taking care of the town's smaller problems mm-hmm. minor speeding know. infractions and th- this isn't getting too far ahead but in the next episode we do see that there are more police but they're they're unnamed they're out of nowhere but they right. are there right but where are they the whole rest of this time dealing with the other town's small problem which we just never hear about they're not on the the scanners lucy never brings it they're up not important what? Oh, i'm sure leo knows all about him oh yeah he's, <laughs> he's, he's got the scanner the in his truck yeah <laughs> he goes and handles them himself he moonlights as a vigilante yeah he's he's a he's the opposite of the bookhouse boys it's like so harry's dumb yeah uh, so i'm learning that he's <laughs> super dumb and how he how he could even trust josie also nobody is intimidated by harry truman not one person he shows up and he makes his speech and everybody gives him flack immediately leo gave him flack hank gave him flack who else has he even spoken Al- to he who threatened has he albert he did threaten that was, albert that was, he punched that was albert. pretty uh that, that was a pretty boss yeah. moment like him socking out his whole life was leading up to that right, moment right the and jaw. it's been downhill ever since yeah like he he shot his <laughs> shot and that's that was it he had one in the chamber and it was yeah. punching albert and that's fine um, we're back to the Horn department store and Audrey is approaching Jenny about the information that she has overheard so stealthily while smoking in the closet. Uh, so we, we kind of missed that, uh, while Jenny was given the unicorn and recruited for one-eyed jacks, she was also given a phone number to contact black Rose. So Audrey snuck the unicorn off the table, which Jenny just yeah. left and uses that as her kind of totem to get in with Jenny on the information. He probably just gives these to everybody, but, uh, I did something really dumb. I lost the number for Black Rose. Do you have it? Jenny did seem a little hesitant. A little bit, but not completely. A little bit, but right. Not completely because she clearly just goes ahead and, and she gives her the number, but... There, there was that little bit of hesitation. I could see it in her eyes. Yeah, she just kind of like, yeah, yeah, sure, here. Like, I don't, I don't know what the hesitation was. She just kind of gives the information right. up. Well, because clearly she knows all about it. Yeah, e- uh, even though Jenny seems a little. Jenny probably went home and thought about it a little more and realized, wait a second, I smelled someone smoking when I was in there with him. <laughs> Damn it! Why did I give her that number? <laughs> Jenny probably hasn't called uh, Black Rose yet. Mm-hmm. It, it would be within 30 minutes that Audrey came up with the unicorn to speak to her after she got out of the closet, I would assume. And while sure. while it seems obvious, this is a pretty slick play to get in. It is. Like, while, kudos to Audrey. Yeah, kudos to Audrey. Like, this is actually 
a pretty well a pretty deft move because she gets exactly what she needs. She gets the number for Black Rose, and she's going to get even further into the lion's den here. So clearly there's some trust there, too, with Badass Badass and, and, and Black Rose here with or with One-Eyed Jax, because it's like we're not relaying information of which girls are coming up there. Yeah, she just it's takes just the call. Calls me. Yeah, they, she just assumes that mm-hmm. whoever calls that number has been recruited. Right. So, yeah, that's that's a good point. It's a lot of trust. I don't know. Well, if you, yeah, I mean, it, it keeps it as a minimal operation. If you start opening up all these lines of communication, mm-hmm. there's more opportunities for damning evidence on everybody involved. Yeah, and I, I feel like, right. you know, this isn't her personal number. This is a business line, I'm sure. That's pretty exclusive. I thought it was a collect like number. If that, well, if you're dialing Canada, <laughs> probably. Bob, we had a baby eats a so boy? This, Either way. <laughs> Either way, we find out later that it's the correct number. Before we get there, we get another taste of Invitation to Love. Oh, yes. Our favorite soap. And what what a cliffhanger. And yeah. my how the tables have turned because Chet has a gun. <laughs> and he is confronting Montana. Wait, is he? So is Dexter, he I looked up Dexter. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Dexter, Dexter is... I remember when... Dexters are very smart, kind, caring, and compassionate people. They're sadly despised, but once you get to know them, they are great. And there's a longer... Where did you get ex- this? There's... It's... Um, I was thinking of it, because after you... After I listened to that last episode back, I was, like, thinking of, like, Poindexter. Like, the derogatory, yeah. you know, just like, all right, Dexter. But then I was yeah, looking maybe, it up. Maybe he was just insulting And there were several, yeah. several different definitions that were similar to this, outside of anything relating to... Dexter, the TV show, but yeah, yeah I'm sure that was hard to circumvent as you search for Dexter. Um, but yeah, so Dexter, I think that was a a slight at his expense. That makes a lot more That's sense. Interesting. So his name Chet. is Chet. Yes, and and Chet is packing oh, heat. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And Montana gets is his. Chet Shelley, as I, I think in this instance, it's just a parallel the event of Shelley having yeah, shot Leo. Okay, Leo. but I. Uh, yeah, Chet pops Montana. And one. then it ends. And then it ends. It cuts away. And I need more than that. I, I need know. to see Invitation to Love to fruition. It's weird, though. I want to know what's happening on the screen because the music continues like through the whole next scene. It's just the credits. Let's, like the music from the soap. Yeah, it's the which credits. Is like, it's the credits yeah, but it's just so funny to hear that mm-hmm. over the dialogue between Ed and Nadine because it's, it's kind of very soapy. He's just like, oh, you can't. I forget what there's a line that he says. Well, there's it just makes me laugh. There's nothing soapier than eating bonbons for your sorrows. But it's just funny because it just makes me think that in a way this is sort of you know there are definitely parts of Twin Peaks that feel like a parody of of soap operas, and then to have to have an actual soap opera parody playing, um, and it's so hammy. Scene, I love it. Yeah, that's so hammy with him just saying, you know, you can't, you know, you can't give up. <laughs> On your on your dreams, mm-hmm. <laughs> getting a patent for <laughs> the drape runners, um, silent drape runners. Man, honestly, Big Ed is an angel. He is crazy he's an supportive. Angel. Like he's he's there for Nadine in her time of need when bonbons don't do the Those job. Don't have to give up. Thank God there's Big Ed for her to fall back on. Even though there's no new TV, no motorboat, <laughs> he's still there. Wait, <laughs> hold on. Okay, so I know that it's. Pete Martell next, and and yep, I know that I know that he's had a fish stuffed by Tim and Tom's taxidermy, but it turned out smaller than when he caught it, and tries to explain it that it was after the process, but then goes, well, size isn't everything, I guess. 
<laughs> just another great line. Who's, just his delivery is so funny. And who's he? Who's he explaining this to? To uh, Sheriff Truman. Sheriff Truman is over there. Is, he's there to see Shelley. Yeah, sure, he's over there to see. Or yeah, Josie. she doesn't he's know. Josie. The, Josie, yeah, but Josie doesn't know that he's stopping by because the last we left off with them was him trying to. Right. He was on the phone with her trying to figure out why she was at the Timber Falls Motel. Yeah, Josie is a shockingly bad liar. She is. I mean, and he, but he immediately though, but at the same time though, he immediately says, he doesn't give her enough time to explain. He immediately says, Hawk saw you there. Like, he doesn't even let it like sit for a bit to see like what she's going to say. No. He, she immediately just says, Hawk, no, Hawk saw you. <laughs> he saw you staked out. It's like, nope, you were the there. What's Motel. up? That yeah. She kind of comes clean. No, I mean, yeah, she basically says why she was there. She was taking, I mean, she even went as far to say as she was taking pictures of uh, Ben and, and Catherine, Catherine yeah. who were sharing a room there. So after Josie kind of comes clean about the fact that she was there taking pictures and lets him know that Ben Horn and Catherine Martell working together to sabotage the mill, he goes to Coop about it and says, hey, this is the issue. While Coop questions Josie's background, Harry is firm on the fact that he loves her and that he yeah, trusts he's... her. Yeah, Coop's smart to do that, too. Um just because we've started, you know, as, as each episode has unfolded, we've started to see, you know, a little, some more layers to Josie that clearly Harry doesn't know about. Right. Uh, so, but yeah, Coop's very quick to question it, but he trusts Truman enough in their quick friendship here that, you know, I hope he's, he's just help him out. saying that to appease Harry. Like, if he had that initial suspicion, right. I feel like he would still continue to act on it. I guess we'll have to... Well, he stay tuned. He agrees to look into it. Find out. But I think he's keeping that suspicion in the back of his mind. Like while he is right. helping Harry out as a friend, he's going to keep his guard up when it comes to Josie, and that's that's uh, smart. Before they had this chat, uh, a very great moment with Big Ed and the both of them, where. Uh, Big Ed reveals he doesn't really gamble much, you know, because they're about to head up to One Eye Jacks to do some gambling while looking for Jacques. Mm-hmm. And Cooper reveals he's got ten grand of the bureau's money, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, which is a whole lot of cash. That's a lot of petty cash. And we find out yeah. Big Ed doesn't for gamble real. until he has cash in hand. I don't think Big Ed has ever held three hundred dollars at once. No. Before. I mean, gas is what like seventy five cents. But yeah, like at at one time for pocket money, I don't <laughs> think he's ever had quite this much. And he he has the freedom to spend it. He can do what he wants with it. He can lose it all. He can win with it. And he's just like a kid in a candy store once he has that little stack in his hand. I want to talk about their cover. So Harry is able to get them a Cadillac for their little gig because they're all going undercover as oral surgeons. Just uh, just a bad idea. Yep. <laughs> yes. I'm a, I'm a little confused by the next scene because Catherine is approached by a lawyer to get her to sign a new life insurance policy. Yeah. This was a very confusing scene for me. Same. Because I sort of got the vibe that she was trying to bang him. Oh, I, I didn't get that. We will. Okay, we'll get to that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, what I want to try and get clear real quick is what this life insurance policy is. Is this leave everything to Josie in the event of Catherine's death? Yes, I yes. think so. Okay. Yes, because she clearly did all this, you know, behind her back. This was all Josie for yeah. sure. She signed, she, cause, cause they were like, why would he got suspicious that, uh, Catherine wasn't present for any of it. So clearly Josie was doing this all behind her back. And yes, I believe you're right that she was going to get all the insurance. Yes. Uh, by the way, the insurance agent's name is Neff, Herbert Neff. It's just not good. That's just bad writing. He looks like Herbert Neff. Oh, I forgot. I forgot to say too that uh, Josie 
um, or it says that Hef Neff. I put Herbert and Neff together. Neff. <laughs> Herbert Neff uh, was approached by Ben and Josie, so not just yeah. Josie. But yeah, she pretty much just says she's going to talk to her lawyer about it and they'll get in touch. Well, but we didn't, we didn't talk, talk we- about how she apparently wants to bang everybody. Oh, yeah. And I mean, he was like picking it up, too. I, I think that's just... I, I don't- I don't think she put it out there that she was trying to bang him. I think he put it out there that he would be there for whatever she needs. Right. He was like, I'll be there for whatever you need. If you need help with this or anything at all, you let the Hef know. Anything at all. (laughs) All right. Yeah, it was strange. And she was giving him some eyes, too, though. She gives everybody eyes. It was a weird scene. Yeah, he's a a thirsty little snake. Wouldn't you be if your name was Herbert Neff? Uh, what what happens with Audrey at One Eyed Jacks? Because I I noted shot of Audrey at One Eyed Jacks. Not much here. Audrey. So we cut. We go back to we go back to the Great Northern first. Actually, uh, we go back to the Great Northern where we see Audrey slip a note under uh, Cooper's door, room three fifteen. Yes. Um, she walks past a guest who's checking in across the hall. I I take note of this is because they they lock eyes and and for a second right when we first see him. There's a little bit of like an ominous tone that plays like for a second. So it's sort of weird and stands out. And that's it. That's that's the yeah. scene. Uh, big Ed's got a big yep. head. And is now Big Fred. Yep. <laughs> big Ed got a big head. Now he's Big Fred. So his. It's just the way it goes. Big Ed's disguise for the Bookhouse Boys' raid on One-Eyed Jacks involves a fake mustache and wig. Which he looks the exact same. <laughs> yes, he does. It's in no way hides who this I, is. I didn't even notice the mustache. Like I, it made me think he's always had a mustache the entire time I've been watching this show. Yeah, it's like, did I just miss this? Yeah, yeah. it's like, oh, I feel like it's already yeah. been there. Hey, Fred. Yeah. Okay, I can, I'll dig it. And while all this is happening, Waldo's speaking. Uh, we cut to the other room, and you see the tape recorder click on. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is all. This whole sequence is just. I don't know. It all just stands out to me. It's just so because I wasn't really. The first time I saw this, I wasn't expecting to really hear Waldo, Waldo talk, even though I feel like I should have mm-hmm. just, you know, yeah. when it happened, I just wasn't expecting it. But it's yeah, a very I kind of wasn't ready for it. It's one of the scenes that just, it really just, it stands out a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially, I mean, so I'm, I'm jumping ahead a second, but so Leo shoots the bird through the window. Um, and the shot that also stands out to me is the uh, blood on the donuts, that just like overhead shot of mm-hmm. the donuts. Uh, the whole thing is just, it's... It's strange. It's a and it's a scary scene. Uh, yeah, yeah. I will say about hearing Waldo talk is I wasn't ready for it to be so high pitched and off off putting. Like yeah. I I thought with uh, it kind of is with the yeah. flashbacks of Sarah, you know, and those like dream sequences of the Laura that kind of slowed down her calling for Laura. <laughs> yeah, I thought it couldn't really get creepier than yeah. that. But this bird yeah. saying Laura like. Laura? That is creepier yeah. to me. Like that is it really chilling. Is. Yeah, yeah. So we have uh, Waldo um, saying Laura while the Bookhouse Boys are still trying to put their disguises together. Yeah, it's also raining outside. Mm-hmm. Just to add to it, it's also like the, the what I was going to comment on too was with the music and the bird saying Laura, mm-hmm. the thunderstorm element. You hear that, and it, that just adds. Yeah, that just adds to the atmosphere. Yeah, to the feeling of the scene. Yeah. It's very horror setup. You know where. This is where oh, yeah. the the masked killer comes to the window with the knife you know, and starts knocking right. on it. 
Like this is that is that setup. Yeah. But uh, right. so as as the guys are trying to put their disguises together and work out their story, there is a gunshot heard, and we cut to the birdcage, and there's blood all over yeah, the donuts. Blood all over the donuts. The, They're the cage. I guess the bullet hit the bird and the cage because the cage is still swinging, which I don't buy that. But whatever. <laughs> That's not believable to you. No. And it could have very well been from the bird getting hit and falling to the floor of the cage and causing it to rock like that. No. But yeah. physics, who knows? Uh, <laughs> checking back on Coop's recorder, we have some more really eerie phrases that Waldo was saying from it was voice activated. So the recorder that Cooper left in the room picked up don't go there, hurting me, stop it, and Leo, no. All said in a high-pitched bird voice, yeah. which I, I could mimic, but I don't want to sound like, an, you can just, like a crazy person. Don't go there, hurting me, stop it, Leo, no. Nope, yeah, we're using that. Um, so I would like to take a moment and remember my, my second favorite character of Twin Peaks, um, Waldo the Bird. Let's Let's take take a moment moment for Waldo. Enjoy the long flight, little buddy. You're now 10,000 candles (laughs) in the wind. (laughs) So Big Ed's complete disguise looks just like Lionel Richie. (laughs) And uh, he will be going by Fred for his cover. And Agent Cooper <laughs> Barney and Fred, will be going not, as Barney. Not unusual at all that they are the Flintstones characters. They are definitely <laughs> Barney and Fred. It and reminded me. Else. Did of, they ask Andy, Andy, what should we be called? Well, Barney and Fred. Yep. So super incognito. Yeah. Except not at all. Like, He's not really. No, it turns good. out Fred also owns a gas station. Thing. And is an oral surgeon. No wonder the bookhouse boys. <laughs> I wonder the bookhouse boys are not. More established. No. Sure. <laughs> Uh, so Cooper as Barney and Big Ed as Fred get to One-Eyed Jacks and run into Blackie, who is the the madam of the operation. And uh, Blackie's about as quick-witted as a drag queen, but uh, Big Ed is able to hold his own against her. So when he his is, when his story kind of falls apart, they have some pretty good exchanges. It's the first slip-up, right? It's the first slip-up of saying he works about at five a minutes in to immediately right to immediately saying. That. No, just kidding. I'm an oral. Yeah, surgeon. he's he is able to play it off like a joke, which good on him yeah. for pulling that off. Even Coop is impressed. I thought he looked uh, at him like we, you freaking idiot. That's how, that's uh, how, that's how I took his look. That she will. Well, Blackie also says that he looks like a cop. Yeah. To which Coop immediately says, "I'm the cop." Yeah. I love some of the lines that Big Ed pops off to Blackie. Yes. I mean, I know the, there's the the one big one. I mean, we have to play mm-hmm. it. Yeah, let's do that one right here. Fred, what's your line? Own a gas station. Um, I'm an oral surgeon. Oh, I got a Chevy parked out back with a serious root canal problem. You want to take a look? Well, I was hoping you might need a little gum work, because I'd sure like to get a look under your hood. Mm, Fred's okay. Fred's a prince. <laughs> prince Fred. Prince Fred. That line is so good. He was very quick for that. That line impresses Coop too. That line, Coop immediately is impressed too. He's just like, you know, she walks away and he's just like, oh, Freddie Prince. Uh, so this cuts pretty hard to Maddie about to sneak out of the house to meet up with James and Donna. And she passes Leland, who is just sitting quietly in the dark waiting for the next day to start, maybe. <laughs> 
He's just, yeah, he's just, he's just out on the just couch. sitting in the dark doing Leland things. He's he's probably just resting after doing the Leland, the new <laughs> hip dance craze. That is swept. He's exhausted from doing the Leland storm. all night. No, seriously though, it's 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 a, it's frightening to me just seeing him sitting there. It's just it is you're not it is disturbing, it, and it's just like oh. If I was leaving the house at night. And turned to my left, and my uncle was sitting in the dark by himself. (laughs) But she didn't know that. No TV, no radio, just sitting there. I would be horrified. He does take notice of her, so he's not completely just blank. He notices her leave. Yeah. But uh, she... That's pretty legit. But uh, Maddie goes to meet up with James and Donna... And this is where blonde-haired Cheryl Lee, whose hair is dyed dark, wears a blonde wig when they meet up at the gazebo. So many layers. I'm, I'm, I mean, is she not is she not wearing a dark wig as well? Like when she's Maddie, I, I think she colored her hair for the for those parts. Didn't I she? Thinks that... Oh, maybe. I really, I tr- I really don't know. That's a good question. I assume she was just wearing. Super a wig producer Tyler Mullins, find this information for us. <laughs> Your hair looks very real in that first season, Cheryl. No, they dyed it. My hair was dyed. It was the only time in my life when a man has said there to me, go. you look like an intelligent woman, When was when I had dark hair. Laughs. Oh, wow. That's crazy. I really didn't know that. I just sort of assumed she was wearing a wig because we knew her hair was blonde. Mm-hmm. It is weird. It's weird to me, too, seeing her playing, well, her wearing, knowing she's blonde and having seen her blonde wearing a blonde wig. Is- it's, it. It's a strange, it's a strange sight. It, the, I, I feel like I, I can't think of an example, but I feel like I've seen this in other things too, where someone's done this. I know, I know what it is. I'm thinking of of when Everett McGill was doing it at One Eyed Jacks when he put on a black wig over himself as Fred. That's what I'm. Thinking Didn't even of. pick a different hair color, like Everett McGill, who has big hair, Man. puts on an even bigger wig over that hair. I knew it'd come to me. Just didn't realize it'd be the <laughs> same, same episode. Same episode of the same show. <laughs> but it is super interesting to see. It's another. It's another Twin Peaks Pew. parallel. Pew. <laughs> no, it is super interesting to see Laura's actress play Maddie playing Laura. Yeah. Right. Like that's a layered performance. It is. It almost looks too. I don't know if it's like what she's wearing, but she sort of. It's. I feel like she seems uncomfortable. I don't know if it's if she's being directed to do mm-hmm. that. Like to sort of look uncomfortable playing her cousin. I don't know. Mm. I think I think it's supposed to be a little just strange. It's supposed to be, you know. Let's talk about the Icelandic investors. Yes, please. What a party at the Great Northern! People are having a blast for real, and they're singing ninety-nine yeah. bottles of beer on the wall. And Benjamin yeah. is excited to learn this song from them. He has never heard it before, as he should be. I don't. <laughs> I wouldn't I don't be surprised if he had. You have to teach me these Where wonderful would he have heard songs. It, Tyler? <laughs> like, dude, it's 99 bottles of beer on the wall. You Where sang this you on the bus them? as a kid on your way to Twin on Peaks Twin High Peaks. School before Steeplejacks practice. Unconfirmed Ben Horn was the water boy for the Steeplejacks. I'm calling it now. That was his role. Sounds about right. But uh, he he splits off from the you party to out? call Josie. And the plan is to get Catherine to the mill. So when they burn it down, she's in it. But also Hank is with Josie on the other line, too. So are they banging or are they yeah, just in cahoots? This, okay, so I don't know. This is truthfully, I think it was at this point where this this storyline starting to just fall apart for me. You know, I didn't care for it much from the beginning, as I've stated, but it gets getting very confusing because it's like, okay, well, you're burning down the mill. Uh, Josie, why would you mention anything about burning down the mill? You could have to Sheriff Truman, you could have made any other excuse for why they were getting together. 
but you're clearly saying something about burning down the mill. So that's confusing to me. Um, Why are you drawing attention yeah, to this? and then just... <laughs> You could just say you're afraid for your yeah, life. Why are you why are you even saying anything about the fire at the mill to anyone that's not been or, you know. Just say you're afraid for your life. You I, think I these people know. are involved just, and don't mention the I'm mill. I'm starting to get confused too on like which one of them knows what about it. Like who's who's uh, they want Catherine in the mill, they want Josie in the mill. I I, I don't know. I'm, just, I'm not sure who in the hierarchy point. of this plan wants who where, but everybody wants the mill to burn. And everybody Wants. And I think a big part of it is I also just kind of don't care about it that much. I'm not worried about it. I could care less what happens to this mill. It's like, just get me back to One-Eyed Jacks. They're having fun up there. Tyler, do you care about this Fred's there. Are you invested in this one? No. <laughs> I don't see what... Why does it just matter? burn the damn thing down already. What does it have to do with anything? Other than it's a logging town. I mean, it'll hurt their economy, but yeah. it's not going to affect... The show. Yeah, okay. It might, Tyler. Why do you think the show got canceled? Because they burned down the mill. (laughs) (laughs) What's going to be better for this town's economy? Is it going to be a real estate project that Benjamin Horn takes a while to put up after a sawmill burns down? Or taking away the town's leading export? Hmm. Rather, which one is more detrimental? Taking away the leading export or not having I don't think anybody's going to recover after the death of Waldo. So I'm still kind of reeling from Waldo as we're, as we're talking yeah, here. I might have to go get in a cage and hope I get shot just to join him. I don't, I'm not interested. I'm more interested in why Josie is, she's being, a, she's being <laughs> awful. Like I, I, Josie is being I awful. liked her at the beginning, yes. but now I, I didn't, I didn't mind her. I didn't well, like her, yeah. but I didn't, I didn't mind. I tolerated her. her. Now she's, she's just being conniving now. Yes. yes. Like, so, I mean, it, for one thing, it's, it's Hank's fault for being involved with everyone and having something on everybody and having them involved in his greater plot. But it's also on these people for not having a little bit of a backbone it's very convenient too that he got out of prison at this time when all of this crazy stuff is going starts down. to coalesce, super convenient yeah. for real well is it convenient or is it i bet they added two years to his sentence so he could get out at this time he punched somebody right in the throat just so he could have another two That's years right. so that this is when he gets out because hank's that calculated <laughs> he is He's a wizard. I don't think Hank's. He's clearly a mastermind. He he knows dominoes in and out. And on paper. He can draw a domino from memory. Yeah, that's a talent nobody needs. Also, Ben Horn, uh, why was he wondering how the Icelandic uh, group found out about One Eyed Jack? Yeah. When in the last episode, he was. Was that not the plan? Yeah, see, you know. How did they find out about One-Eyed Jacks? I take full responsibility. <laughs> yeah, you told me to You told tell me to them tell them. You said episode. that was the plan. We knew that was the plan. <laughs> then he said, well, now so that no, put him on the bus and let's get him over there. So we've come to determine that, that Benjamin Horn has short-term memory loss. Like a fish. In a percolator. Put your brain on percolate. You guys remember that commercial? All right, I do. So now we need to head on back one-eyed yeah, jacks, jacks but not to catch up with barney and fred nope. we need to catch up with hester prin audrey horn under the guise of hester prin gets her meeting with blackie really quickly this happens all at once i wish there had been an extra scene of her coming up with this name mm-hmm. is, is this from scarlet letter i didn't do the research 
Did she, is that where she got the name? Hester Prynne? Yeah. Oh, is it? Well, then that well, Because sense. in the interview with Blackie, she stops her after she asked where she's worked before. It is. Yeah, and, and says, yeah. I read the Scarlet Letter just like you. Hester Prynne is yeah. from the Scarlet Letter. You're right, then. I guess that scene wouldn't be so that interesting. So once her cover is blown, she says, give me one reason I shouldn't ship you back to the States. And Audrey's response is, I can tie a cherry stem in a knot with but my But she tongue. doesn't say it. She just no, does No, she it. just does it. She does There's it. a convenient cherry with Isn't a stem there to be knotted. <laughs> Right, we didn't say it too, but I mean, even though it was probably already obvious to us, but Blackie is Black, Black Rose. Rose. Yes. The same guy that was being recited poetry to by Ben Horn on our first yeah, journey to yeah. One Eyed Jets. Get out of here, dude. One and the same. Yeah, what are your thoughts on Ben Horn at this point, Tom? <laughs> uh, uh, uh... <laughs> All right. So, uh, Cooper's Cooper's playing blackjack. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Ed lost all of his money. Sure correct? did. And uh, he, he comes up to Cooper and says... For Fred, I'm sorry. Fred, I would never put that on Ed. It was all It was Fred. Fred's fault. He was in character. He was going for it. He was going big. But uh, he asked Cooper if he needs to pay it back. And Cooper just says he'll take it out of his own winnings because he's pretty confident. Pretty confident. So uh, the yeah the dealer swaps out for Jacques Renault, at which point uh, Big Fred gives Cooper the bookhouse boy salute and excuses himself. Well, Hawk doesn't Hawk walk up or Hawk's in the Hawk's in the truck. Yeah, Hawk's doing a surveillance. He's the guy in the chair, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, so Coop talks to, or well, he meets Jacques. Jacques. And that's what we pretty much leave it at that. We don't get a continuation. Yeah, he just sits down to the the table, Jacques is dealer, and he he confirms that his name is Jacques. And uh, that's, yeah, that's kind of where that cuts off. Yeah. Uh, We're we're back to, we're back to invitation to love. uh, Jacoby, uh, yeah, Mod Squad. Mm -hmm. I like that you, uh, you said Mod Squad. Mm -hmm. Do you know why? One black, one white, one blonde. Right. Do you know who the blonde is? I don't. It's Peggy Lipton who plays What? <laughs> crossover, and I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Peggy Lipton was originally in the Mod Squad. Yep, pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yep. That's nice. Yeah, man. I like that. So Jacoby's watching Invitation to Love as uh, Maddie, as Lara, calls him on the phone. And uh, she mimics some lines from the tape that they found. Uh, she seems to be enjoying the performance as she does it. Like She's she's getting into it. She's really in character. Uh, Jacoby is not convinced, so they have him go to the door to pick up a package. Tells him over the phone, there's something waiting for you at the door if you're not convinced. So he goes and he gets it. It's a VHS tape. He just happens to have a VHS. For those of you who do not Right know. in front of him. VHS stands for... Video home system. So Jacoby plays the tape, and it's a video of not Lara holding a newspaper from that day in front of a gazebo. And it, it does a slow zoom on the paper and then pans up to her, and she makes this kind of like, huh, face. You see? <laughs> yeah, like, you see? Like, <laughs> me? I'm really... Personally, here. I can't tell anything about this paper via the tape footage. No. I don't no. know what he's supposed to catch from <laughs> what they're showing him. Because you cannot tell a single detail from this footage. So it has to, it takes him picking up the phone again and her saying, that's today's paper, doc. Friends are like, oh, okay, gotcha. that's what that was. <laughs> now I get it. Thanks. So he wasn't convinced, but now he's curious enough that he's ready to go check it out. Uh, he is strapped. He decides whoever's calling him, he needs to have a gun on him that's just right. in case. If it's the ghost of Lara, he needs to have a yeah, gun. That's the only way to kill a ghost. Uh, James and Donna are at the gazebo, and they're there with fake Maddie as she hangs up the call. But Bobby shows up in the bushes. Right, yeah. How does he know Yeah, why is there, he there? I think, there? I think at some point... 
either in this episode or the last one, he spotted James with maybe Donna and followed her or followed them. I mean, the last time we saw him in this episode, wasn't he with he was, Shelly? Yeah, he was with Shelly. So why is Bobby here? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I but don't he know. sees them with know. Maddie dresses Laura, but I don't know why he's here. That's a plot hole for me. So he, well, he spots fake Laura, but so does an unnamed masked individual who's in the bushes. Yeah, because the last time we see, well, the last time we see Bobby, he's saying he's going to protect Shelly from now on. So clearly he's not doing a very good job of no. that. He's often yeah, he's bushes. not looking out for Leo. He is following James. Jacoby realizes from the video footage that they are not at the meeting place where fake Lara asked him to meet her, but they are at this gazebo. There's only one gazebo in Twin Peaks. so <laughs> I'm just assuming that the gazebo is closer than the location they told him to go to because they were probably having him go somewhere far so that he'd be distracted right. longer. Yes. So he just decided to hit up the gazebo on the way just in case. And they just leave Maddie there. That's- what I think. They're just like, yeah. you wait at the gazebo. We're going to go infiltrate the office. Why wouldn't they just like, okay, thank, thanks. Just go just, home just now. Just bring her with them. <laughs> yeah, or or just go home. You know, they didn't need way. her beyond recording that video with them? and making the phone call. No, no. And they didn't need her to hang out at the gazebo for an undisclosed reason while they went and left her alone in a murder town mm-hmm. while they tried to infiltrate this sketchy doctor's office yeah maybe we're maybe we're missing something this is just more confusing than i thought i think it's just that disconnected they didn't give her a reason to stay there they said you wait here we'll come back to get you yeah they didn't give her a reason to stay there other than for joe jacoby to to right. go there so jacoby goes there instead of the meeting place he's given because he wants to see what's going on with fake laura so he's hanging out in the bushes while james and donna into his office. Bobby, while James and Donna go to Jacoby's office, sticks a huge bag of cocaine in James's gas tank. Yes. <laughs> Which is just a, awesome. a huge, a huge sack of cocaine. It just says goodbye, James. And then it just cuts back to just showing Maddie hanging out at the mm-hmm. gazebo. That's just where the episode is. Well, while ends. while a in a first person view, you just hear heavy breathing watching her. Yeah. Which indicating that someone else is in Yes, the who's already there. Yes. Yikes. So that's the episode. <laughs> Tyler, who do you think that is? I, I guess it's Jacoby. My initial thought for some reason was Leo, but I don't know why that would be. Well, it can't be Jacoby unless you unless it was just edited weird, only because they cut to that person as well when Bobby's there a couple of, like a scene or two earlier before it shows Jacoby watching the VHS tape. So it shows that... And it makes a weird noise, too. I don't know if you noticed, but the scene makes a weird noise, like a shriek, both times when it cuts to the person with heavy breathing with sort of the handheld. Yeah, there's, there's kind of a, there's I, kind I of a stinger. It seems like it's handheld. Kind of what? Yeah, uh, but there's like this little, yeah, there's like a, a noise both mm. times. So one is when he's kind of behind Bobby, and then at the end, it's just him looking at Maddie because Bobby's already gone to put the cocaine in the bike. Mm-hmm. So someone else is there, a another person that could not be James, Donna, Jacoby, or Bobby. Yes. I guess that's why I thought it was Leo. Maybe it's Hank. I don't know. Maybe it's... It, yeah, it could very well be either Leo or Hank because they're trying to clean up their right. trail and anything that could right, yeah. potentially link them to anything that's going on. Uh, we're kind of left in the dark there. We don't get a lot of answers here. We get plenty of questions. So... I know Tyler has a question. Who the hell is Diane? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. I I like this episode a lot, uh, just in general. Me too. Because you get 
I, I know I said it last time, but everything really is coming to a head. You have people getting in deep with the story. They're getting deep with the investigation. Uh, the, all the major characters are kind of meeting and we have a lot of knowledge of who's doing what where and so do our characters finally it's not just us so people are really getting their hands dirty as of this episode and it i mean we have one episode left after this like the next one is the season finale it's crazy we've arrived like we're, we're almost at the end so of this thing I. as far as the first season <laughs> yeah oh, we're not near the end of this <laughs> no we're, we're not nearly to the end of this thing but for the first season we've we've made a yes. lot of progress really quickly so uh yeah we have Patrick, where are you at this point? Uh, I mean, it's great. These these last few episodes are among among my favorite as far as season one. I mean, season one is it's 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 so top notch. Uh, I love how like you said, everything's coming together. Uh, for me, the biggest uh, the biggest things in this, I just love. I loved the Barney and uh, Fred dynamic. That whole thing. It's so. Let's funny. yabba dabba do this. I, I'd love to see more of, of, of Big Ed in that in that particular fashion and that setup. That it, it's so great. It's it's going to be very interesting to see how this night unfolds because clearly this is you know it's it's almost like what Coop said at the very beginning uh, of this episode when he's talking to Audrey in the in the uh, in his room. Uh, the night is young. Uh, this night is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not quite done with all of the shenanigans. What so. is shenanigans? <laughs> oh. Tyler, how are you feeling at this point? Tyler, yeah, how do you how do you feel now when the last episode was your favorite so far? This one was definitely not as great for me. Um, I feel like there were a lot of new kind of weird. I guess they meant to be like huge twists or whatever. With especially with like Josie being like involved in so many different things and turning out to not be as I don't know. Yeah. Benign. Benign. Innocent. Um, but I did love Audrey in this episode. She, she, unlike Andy, is yeah. a master detective. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely what kind of has set her as a major player in this series. And I think this, uh, all of these moments, especially, I think is what got uh, the audience hooked uh, even back in the day. Um, her performance in these episodes. Um, She's great. It's kind of refreshing to see an ambition and a drive to make something happen where maybe other people don't quite see the big picture. They're not looking at the elements that need attention, and she is diving headlong into these things, just both barrels, just ready to make something happen, find out what is going on with these seemingly innocuous things in the big picture, but she feels like they need checked out, and she's doing it on her own without the law's support, without her family's support. Well, obviously without our family support because they're the ones involved. But it's it's cool to watch while James and Donna do their thing that doesn't matter at all. She's actually getting involved in the stuff that does. Well, they think it matters. I mean, because they, I think they they think that Jacoby did it at this point. I think that's their. I think that's where they're. Well, they knew at. Laura better than anyone. I think Bobby knew Laura. I just did the hardest eye roll. Anyone. I could do. Yeah, I, I think at this point, yeah, Bobby genuinely did understand her better than anybody else. That's kind of where we are with this one. Uh, next up is the season finale of season one. Uh, I also want to point out real quick before we wrap this episode up that uh, Dale Cooper himself, Kyle McLaughlin, actually liked one of our posts on Instagram. And you can find that very post at Talking Backwards Pod on Instagram. Uh, you can also reach us at Talking Backwards Pod at gmail.com. Patrick, what else can they do? 
You can uh, leave us some feedback via audio, which we are waiting for. We haven't we haven't received any yet, and that's okay. I think that time will come. Uh, if anybody has any uh, feedback, questions, or even some uh, corrections, maybe we've uh, misspoke about uh, a line in the show or perhaps someone's uh, career, uh, please correct us. We would love to be corrected. You can leave us that message at anchor.fm slash talkingbackwards. We'd love to hear your voice. Also, feel free to rate us on either Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts. really helps us to be found, and it helps us uh, kind of get a little more attention so everybody can get in on the discussion and help us out. So let's get as many people as we can on board with this thing, and let's uh, keep chugging along as we head into our season finale. Tyler, any final thoughts? Um, Human trafficking is a very real issue. So if you have any information on anything like that, you can send an SMS text to 233733. As always, thank you for listening to Talk backwards and we hope to see you next episode as we cover the season finale the last evening six five four three two one rock the house, rock the house. <laughs> that's Plenty. Okay. This is (laughs) awful. This is the best we've ever done. We're never doing this again. This is gold.